With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Conversation on Justice. Uh, we're in Chinley, Arizona. Uh, Byron McMillan and Alvin Cloyd and myself, Charles Cheek. Uh, we just left Cove, Arizona yesterday, um, but we're still on the Navajo Reservation. Anyway, so we're we're here sitting poolside at the Holiday Inn in Chinley, and, and in the background you may hear the sounds of a swimmer in the pool. So we're going to have a conversation this morning about our experiences thus far on the reservation and uh, and what the impact it's had on us and also uh, how we can work better with the folks here on the reservation going forward in the future. Hopefully this will provide you with some insight as to uh, what is going on um, in our lives and how we can impact uh, one another, and especially our brothers and sisters on the Navajo Reservation. So we're going to start off this morning with Alvin Cloyd. Alvin is the senior statesman who's been coming out to the reservation for eternity. And so uh, we're going to let him talk about his initial experiences and where he is now at this point and why he keeps coming back. Good morning. morning. <clears throat> yes, I'm Alvin Cloyd. I currently... Uh, reside in Georgia, and prior to that, I was living in Hampton, Virginia, where I attended the Cornerstone Church of God, and I was on the pastoral staff there with a lady named Becky Holland. Her and I uh, taught discipleship courses together, and she had a ministry out here on the reservation. So she invited me to come out, and my initial trip out here was back in 2012. And at that time, we were doing vacation Bible school for the kids. We used to come down, and we would rent a van, and we would go out through the communities and pick up the kids and bring them in for the vacation Bible school. And then at night, we had tent revivals. And people would come in, and we would minister the word. And I noticed on the when we first started coming out, there was seemed to be a lot of enthusiasm for the word and for the revivals, and we had a great time. And but like I say, this is my sixth year, but over time it seems like that hunger for the word has started to wane. And one of the things that I've done on this particular trip is part of um, self-reflection, looking within myself to figure out how I, as a person, can be more effective at preaching the gospel. You know, when you look into the Word, we see all of those things that God has bestowed upon us. But yet, if we don't know how to receive those blessings, then we continue to go without. And so this week has really been a glorious week for me, you know. And as I've learned a lot of things about myself, and I've also learned a lot of things about the people here on the reservation. And and I guess last night was kind of a, a great experience because as we came to Chile, this is our first time being here, and the enthusiasm that I saw last night was the same thing I saw the first time I went to COVID. <laughs> Amen. 
So I guess the challenge for me, you know, and I, for us as a group, is how can we keep that going, you know? You know, and so, and, and that's what keeps me coming back, you know. Jesus has said that he that would be great among you, let him be your servant. So I continue to look for ways how I, as an individual, can better serve the people, not only here, but also in my own community back home and in my family and my friends and my neighbors, because we are living in very difficult times and there is so many horrible things happening in our world. But as the Bible tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. So we want to figure out ways that we can thwart the rulers of the darkness and bring victory in Christ. Amen. 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 So, Alvin, you, you spoke about um, how it's waning on, I guess you were reflecting on code right. in terms of um, the enthusiasm there. Uh, any particular reason you see that is causing that um, difference from the first time you came out to them? Well, I think what it is, you know, when you you hear the word of God, especially when you're hearing it for the first time, it's exciting. And when you begin to talk about the promises and you talk about what God has done for us and all of the blessings that he has in store for us, it excites people. But then when they hear that and then when they go back, if they don't put those things into practice, it's like what James says. It's like looking at yourself in a mirror and you walk away and forget what you look like. <laughs> you know, and I think that's what's happening. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Well, we'll explore that a little further in the conversation, but we're going to talk to Byron now. Byron is a newbie. Um, it's his first time coming out here to the reservation with us. And, and let's see what Byron feels about it. What, what does he see in terms? Because his perspective obviously is going to be different from ours. Absolutely. I mean, so we've been coming out here for several years, so it's always welcome to hear a fresh expression. All right. Uh, you know, and, and get a first uh, hand viewpoint of, uh, of what they see. But, you know, first, let's describe this mosaic that we're in at the moment. Uh, I mean, it's just, I mean, I mean, you look around, you, you see the rocks, and yesterday we went to the, the Canyon de Chile and and saw all those formations, and 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 you guys pictured yourself with a big house overlooking, <laughs> overlooking the canyon. Uh, well, we know that's not possible at the moment. Uh, but sitting here outside in in this nice weather, I mean, it's not hot, it's it's not humid. It's, you know, you look at this sort of, I guess, a, a Navajo cross between a Navajo and um, Mexican mosaic hotel uh, structure. Uh, I mean, it's just peaceful. It's just like being back on a reservation, except we hear those nasty cars going by. <laughs> but it's okay. We'll deal with that. Too. We got to get out of here before 11 o'clock because that heat is coming. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's for sure. We go back to the, the air conditioning thing. So, uh, so Byron, tell us about why Byron is healed and what Byron is experiencing, and uh, just give us your overall perspective. Yeah, so years ago I got involved with an organization called CCDA, Christian Community Development Association, um, who has it its mission um, for the church to be equipped to work with the under-resourced and the poor, um, because all throughout Scripture there seems to be um, this concept that the poor are at the center of God's heart. Um, and I really embrace that, especially through the call of Dr. John Perkins and Wayne Gordon and Noel Castellanos and uh, many others who have actually started CCDA some 25 years ago, 29 years ago. And I really just felt this call um, to the poor, to the marginalized, and I remember when I first got in this whole thing, I, I thought that I was going to bring um, all these skills and talents and um, passion that I have for things um, to the plight of the poor. Um, and what I'm finding um, as I go further in this journey is not so much what I'm bringing um, to poor and marginalized people, um, but what they have to offer 
um, to me um, and to all of us um, who uh, I think what happens is we get blinded um, by wealth. It, 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 it keeps us from seeing the true nature of things. And I think God and, and um, through Jesus in scripture um, talks about this a great deal. Um, another aspect of this that really sharpened in my focus, a friend of mine, Martin Fidel, a coworker at Jobs for Life, um, gave me a book um, called Geography of Grace, um, Theology from Below. And the premise of it is um, that grace is like water and it flows down to the low places and it gathers there. And if you want to access that grace, um, you have to go to the low places. And this is one of the, the, the um, main principles of CCDA, this idea of, uh, of presence, of relocation, of, of going to the poor, to the marginalized, um, not to help and to change things, but um, to realize um, our solidarity with people who are experiencing material and systemic poverty and, and, and want and that as we go there together, God is working in ways that he doesn't work in, or we can't see him working in um, when we're loaded down with stuff and the comforts and the pleasures and the comforts of this world. So when I heard Charles talking about coming to the Na uh, uh, Navajo Reservation for the past four years, it really piqued my interest um, because as we look at history, we know that uh, perhaps the most marginalized, um, pushed to the side people among us are um, the Native Americans who um, had stewarded this land effectively for, for thousands of years. Um, and then we came and we took it from them and we built um, all of what we see today. So I was really interested in joining him and getting to know um, Native American people. Heard a lot, learned a lot over the last years, too, through CCDA, um, through the ministry of, of Mark Charles, and before him, Richard Twist. And so just had a, a passion to come here and learn. And in the past few days, every everything that I've um, thought about over the past years has, has really, um, um, I've seen it and I've felt it and I've experienced it. Um, in Native American peoples, um, particularly the Navajo um, people. Just beautiful, um, deeply committed and passionate people who, in the face of a lot of adversity and oppression, um, still maintain a dignity and a compassion and a love for people, um, outsiders. And uh, it's just been a beautiful thing. Wow. I mean, that was a mouthful there. I mean, that perspective is, was awesome. Um, I, I guess, you know, since you brought up CCDA, uh, Christian Community Development Association, uh, and, and I know you've been quite the practitioner there, um, going through some immersions and, um, and delving deeper into uh, the principles of CCDA. If you were to pick two of those eight principles right now and, 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 and reflect them back on to this experience since last Thursday. Uh, which two would you would you pick, and why? Well, for me, uh, the, the two big ones have always been um, reconciliation and relocation, or, or what I like to call the ministry of presence. Um, just being here among the people, um, not just um, reading about them in a book. Um, Googling them on the internet, but actually being here and spending a couple of weeks um, listening to people be themselves, talk about the challenges that they're having, the, the things that make them laugh, the things that um, make them cry, um, their hope um, for the, the good news of Jesus Christ among their people. Um, it helps you really to to be a part of it, um, not saying, you know, I'm bringing something in from the outside and, and, and listen, listen to me talk. It's more of just being present um, and listening. One of the greatest lessons I've learned in the past few years, and this, this has largely come from Dr. Perkins, is that um, prayer is listening. 
um, more than anything, rather than taking a, a list of requests to God for things that we want. It's, 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 it's listening and um, humbling ourselves, realizing that we don't have all the answers, but that God speaks through um, creation. He thinks he speaks through his people. Um, and when we take the time to be present with people and listen, um, it, it's just amazing. It goes to your heart. It helps you connect you with people. It helps you realize your humanity and others humanity. It helps you to uh, not pass judgment on others. And, and, and it helps you to, um, I mean, what we do when we listen to somebody else, it says that we value you. So when, when we listen to others, they feel valued. And then when, when they listen to us, um, we feel valued and together we feel valued together and in our humanity, um, we sense the presence of God. So that, that, the whole idea of relocation of presence and then reconciliation, um, it is just the key, you know, being reconnected with people, um, across barriers and boundaries and obstacles that have, um, come up because of dis- different things for, for the Navajo, um, just having their land stolen and, and being brutalized and, 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 and pushed to the side and being uh, oppressed, um, you know, being an African-American, you know, definitely understand that part of our history, um, in our country, um, uh, being exploited, um, free labor um, to build all of this that we see um, rather than holding a grudge and, and trying to get revenge and get mine, learning how to forgive and listen um, and be humble. All the lessons that Jesus taught us, these are key. These are, these are the only, um, this is the only way forward. And Jesus told us about this. He said, this is the coming kingdom, a kingdom that is uh, not built on violence and war and, and, and getting your own way in control, but it's on love and peace and forgiveness and coming together in a greater way. And he, he gave us the example of that by hanging on the cross and, and being resurrected and all of that is, you can experience that through these two principles of, of, of relocation. You know, Jesus left the greatest gated community in the history of the world and came to the most broken place he could find, earth. And he, he, he lived among the poor and the wounded and um, created that opportunity for us to be reconciled to him and uh, to the Trinity, to God. And, and that is our example for each other. And so those are the two greatest things I learned from being here. Well, so, Alan, You've you've been to several churches since you've been coming out here in the last six years. Initially, when you walk in that door, what do you feel, and and what happens as as you get to know the people, or the people get to know you? Well, I think again, you know, when you you come to a place like this, it's a new experience. And like say, when I go into a Navajo church, I have no clue. So my expectations is almost nil. Like I don't know what to expect, but I'm I'm here and I'm gonna do what I do because that's all I know to do. I'm gonna put it out there and I pray that they receive it. You know, if they do, to God be the glory. If they don't, to God be the glory. You know, <laughs> it's just like coming out to the reservation. Like, well, what do I expect? What is it like? I mean, your mind can go in a thousand different directions. You have no clue what to expect, you know, because there's nothing to compare it to. Right. So that means once you're here and then you just like starting at ground zero and then you develop those experiences, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, what, what do you, you think is next step in terms of, um, uh, their growth. I mean, we, we still, as we hear about uh, more and more folks, or I don't know if it's more and more, but there are a lot of folks uh, still worshiping in the traditional way. Uh, and it obviously is a frustrating point for those who, who have converted to Christianity on the reservation amongst the Navajos. Uh, and I guess the idea is how do we get to them? Not so much us from coming out here, but more so with them uh, because there's a great frustration with them. Right, exactly. And, and I have talked to some of the people, you know, since I've been here and and uh, they have told me about people that were involved in the tradition, religion, and they have came to Christianity and they've stayed for a while and they didn't see any change. 
You know, I was talking to one of the ladies at the church the other night, and she was telling me about her husband practices the traditional religion. And she had been after him for a period of time to get him to come to church. And then when he came to church, he came a couple times. But what she was telling me, like, I guess in their practice, I guess with the bees and with the shaking, he says that it's more visual. And it, it um, basically, he can relate to it from a sensual perspective. But when he come to church, he just hear words. So it doesn't phase him. So he goes back to his old thing. So I think the challenge here from a Christian's perspective is the Bible says that when Jesus had commanded the disciples to go and to preach the gospel, well, actually these were the apostles after the, the day of Pentecost, the Bible says that God confirmed the word with signs and wonders following. So I think that for us to challenge the traditional religion, we have to see manifestation. We got to see something so that we can see the manifestation of the power of God in people's lives, then we can challenge those traditions. Well, speaking, um, I, I guess either one of you can comment on this. Uh, you know, they, in, in the traditional world that they practice, um, uh, it's more illustrative. It's more um, hands-on instead of a lecture. So how can we adapt? Can we adapt the message? Oh, the message doesn't change. See, but I think presentation. I'm, I'm talking the presentation of the message. I mean, the the gospel is not changing, but how you present the gospel uh, in, in that context. I mean, does it always have to be uh, a lecture type? Could it be illustrative? No, I, I don't think that would change either. Because again, when he says go and preach the word, okay. But I think what the challenge is, the Bible says that that we have to earnestly contend for the faith. It says that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So that means that this requires a total commitment on our part. That if we give ourselves totally and completely over to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, that we will see the manifestations of those promises. You know, okay. so that's why that was one of the things that I've been reflecting on. How can I dig deeper into God's Word that He will confirm His Word with signs and wonders following? Okay, okay. So I come at it. I mean, I, I come at it from a more practical standpoint. Um, over the years. Becoming familiar with scripture and hiding it in my heart um, is one thing, and using words, as Charles said, um, is is needed, is required. But what I found to be really effective is when I get out in nature and I take people on hikes um, through the woods, and when you're, um, you know, after you've walked for a while in the woods and you're thirsty and you come upon a stream, and if, if you're in a location where the, the stream is flowing, um, freely you know it can become a, a illustration point of uh, how god continues to refresh us and fill us up it gives you an opportunity to bring um this idea that god created the heavens and the earth and the rivers and the skies and the mountains and and, and it gives you an opportunity a visual opportunity to share a lesson and the more you experience life with people you can um take the word and make it real based upon the experiences that you're having together. So somehow the people here have to figure out ways to experience life together outside of just church and sharing the word and, and, and the spirit. That's why God said, you know, when Jesus left in Acts 1-8, he says, you know, I'm going to send you a, a helper. Uh, you know, you're going to be my witnesses um, and you're going to receive power. And it's not just to speak the words, but it's to live these words out and to then be able to point to things um, that we're experiencing um, to help um, people understand it. I mean, walking the hills um, behind Cove Church, you know, you could just 
experience the presence of God in nature, in the mountains, in the hilltops. And rather than as the ancient traditions um, kind of have done, they, 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 they created a God out of the moon. They created a God out of the, the horny toad. They created gods out of the coyotes and the wolves and everything that's out there. So learning how to take the word of God and make it come to life through the things that God has created, pointing back to the creator, this makes it real. And for me, and, and, and so I just know raising kids, I've raised five children, um, and scripture always came to life on these adventures that we take, these vacations that we take, or doing chores around the house, or just being together in different situations. And I just think that is what's needed. That, that's why you have to be present with people, um, because life happens, and as you have hidden God's word in your heart, the Spirit will guide you into making connections so that these things stick. And they don't become gods. They just become guiding principles to point us to God, to point us to the Holy Spirit, to point us to Jesus, to point us to our need for each other. And, and Scripture and the life of God and the Trinity becomes real in, in us. What well, interesting um, – let me just piggyback off of something you just said, both of you just said, and, and, and go back to the point of where we all got introduced to coming out here at some point. And we look at it, and, and you, I often say that more people need to have this experience. But then I think about defining what experience is. And, uh, and the danger of saying, guys, you need to come out here and look at these beautiful canyons, walk on top of that hill that Byron walked on where the cross is and sit up there and reflect and look at the valleys and the, and the mountaintops. But what's the danger of making a wholesale statement? You need to come out here and get this experience. Well, I don't know if there's any danger in that because, see, when anytime we are exposed to stimuli we receive it and we all process it in different ways so like as we sit here today and we look around us and you know as we look at this this information is received and we are processed for everybody else that would come here would also process that information in a different way and the way we process the information is is based on our prior experiences. As you were talking earlier about that, when I walk into a Navajo church, I don't have anything to compare it to. So I'm like, like an open slate, you know? So, and I think the, the more experiences that we have or the more knowledge that we acquire, it broadens our perspectives. So I would say, yeah, we invite people to come out and to experience that. And like I say, they will process that experience based upon their own individual selves. Uh, again, just the danger is coming out thinking that you're bringing something um, to people. Um, God, God is here is, and is working. And so if you come out, you know, wanting to receive and to listen and to um, – hear how God is speaking through the land, um, through the people, through the circumstances that have brought people to here. Um, that's one thing. But if you think you're coming to bring something, to do something great um, for others, um, you're probably going to be disappointed. And so just, just coming out here open, open mind, open heart, open ears, um, willing to listen, willing to learn um, rather than bring something. Uh, we see this a lot of short-term missions um, work in our country um, has become something that's not so good because we think we're taking something to people. We're coming in as saviors. We're bringing resources that people don't have, um, knowledge and information uh, of, of God that others don't um, have. And so that's the danger because it becomes an industry. It becomes a transactional thing. I give you something and I expect something in return. But uh, when you treat it as an ongoing relationship, um, getting to know people a little better and better each time you come out here, um, knowing that God speaks through people and the circumstances that he puts us in, that's a whole different thing. 
Um, I noticed when I first got out here, you know, I don't, I don't know the people, but I see the reaction to um, Charles and Alvin because they've been building a relationship over years and these aren't strangers to them. Um, and now as I, I left Cove, you know, I felt the love from Cheryl and, and, and Richard and other people that I've gotten to speak with and spend some time with. Um, and so then they're saying, when are you coming back? <laughs> and if you just try to bring something, even just try to bring the word or you try and build a building and you just say, well, I did my thing and then I'm out of here and I'm never coming back. That says something. Um, and it says something that isn't good it says well they just cared about what they did and it really care about me so i think setting us up to come back in the future and as these guys have been multi-year veterans i think making sure that people have an idea when you come out here that it's not going to be a one-time thing but it'll be ongoing um as the lord makes uh, possible now now that we've we've, we've digested and regurgitated and did all that. Let's just do some formation type thing. Let's do some formulative stuff. Because uh, I know we were talking about um, uh, doing a, a bringing some folks out doing a reflective week on uh, connecting with uh, with oneself through this experience and how that would look. So I'm just going to the man who put who brought it up and and got the plans for it and, and let him talk about it because this is something that and that's we talk more with other folks out here, they're excited about it. Uh, but it has to be some sort of personal reflective and not just come out here and do a project. Maybe tie something into it, but, you know, as an experience, but not as a project on people. Uh, so, all right, you want to tell us a little bit about that uh, in the next two days? <laughs> yeah, well, well, for me, the, the, the times that we're in require some, um, I believe, uh, lives, of, lives of deep um, contemplation and learning to listen. Um, so I really see the need for having times where we uh, get away and, and, you know, perhaps um, contemplate a, a passage of scripture or uh, what they call a sacred word. Um, that that is is very prominent in scripture and 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 dwell on that um you know on the psalms it ends a lot of the psalms it, it ends with selah it's like meditate on these things and and that's where the spirit really goes to work and if we learn to do that with each other um and learn to listen to each other um and and listen to what god is speaking to each one of us and we learn to share and value um what each of us is hearing that together we can come up with um uh, a much broader perspective of what god is saying to the world um so doing some exercises here like that um getting up uh, seeing some sunrises seeing some sunsets um walking in nature together and then having a time afterwards to listen to one another and kind of debrief and then um, try to dream together and say, well, what do we feel God is saying to all of us collectively um, through this time that we've had together? And it has to be um, with people who are coming to uh, this area from outside um, alongside of those who are already here. And then we learn together from each other. So, um, over that time period that we're here, we would definitely build in some um, reflection, contemplative kind of practices. Um, our, our, the, the Desert Fathers, the Founding Fathers of the Church, the early apostles, they all had practices that they put into place to allow them to absorb the Word of God and then to um, then engage in praxis, which is uh, right living. We get so caught up in orthodoxy, which is right um, believing and understanding, and we get a, we get the words and we get the knowledge, but then we don't know how to live it out. So you've got to marry orthodoxy with or, orthopraxy, um, and then when you do that together, um, something will come of it. I have no idea what it is, um, but God knows and the Spirit knows, and he's um, trying to unleash that. Um, on all communities across the world. Um, but for this one, that that's some of the practice that we would engage in um, during that time. But why here? Why here? Yeah, I don't, I don't know why here. I know that you, you guys have, one, begun 
deep relationships. Um, you know, I guess Alvin, you've been coming, you know, uh, I guess next year will probably be, you know, you're getting close to a decade of, of coming here. Charles, you know, you've been coming here for five years. And, and, and what, what's happening is what I've heard you guys say is, you know, people are starting to open up to you in ways that they haven't before just because they've begun to trust you and that relationship is there. Um, so you have that. And then, um, two, like I talked about earlier, it, it, it is a marginalized, I mean, it's a different world here. You know, most people in America that are just kind of going on doing their um, everyday lives, they're, they, they're not thinking about the Navajo Nation. Um, they're not thinking about that. And, and, and people have been pushed to the side and they're dealing with all kinds of, 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 of things from their past and things that are present um, that I just feel God can speak to people in a greater way um, because of what's going on here and the people that are here. Um, and so that's, those are, those are the two reasons you guys have built relationships. It's been ongoing. Um, it's a marginalized, uh, forgotten about place, um, in many regards. And the spirit of God is just working here in a way that I think people can slow down and listen a little better than you can and say, uh, a real busy, uh, metropolis like New York or Chicago, um, but if you live in those places, you can come to a place like this, learn some things and listen, and then go back, take it back to wherever you are and be more effective. So we, we're talking about a small group, uh, about 10 to 15 people uh, coming out here for a week, 10 days. Jesus only dealt with 12. I mean, he think dealt so, most man. deeply you know, with 12. So he that's, goes that's right and multiplies, so we can add some more to it. And I think, one, that allows you to really draw closer to one another. You get to know each other better. The larger the groups you have, you know, it gets harder to have one-on-one -on -one time with each other and really get to know um, each other. So I think that, that, that number is good, 12 to 15. So what do you think about that? And I think also, you know, that this could also be part of the ministry. You know, I say if we were to bring, you know, some people out, you know, a small group like Byron said, and then if we can add some local people here and to that group, uh -huh. and then we can begin to share. And so again, as we begin to dig into the word, and again, when anytime we receive information, we automatically compare it with what we already know. So we come together in this group and we begin to share the word of God and we begin to share our experiences. And then that and enhances the whole of the group. It expands our knowledge, you know, and it also sets up a bond between us and the people that are here. And I think that, you know, that would help this community and also help our communities back home when we go back to our own communities. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let me, let me just reflect on some of the things we've heard this time. I think I've heard more stories this time about um, things that uh, occurred in on, on the reservation like Kit Carson and, I mean, although I saw the movie and stuff. <laughs> but, and then also what we learned about that, what was the, the valley of, uh, I don't know where the Spaniards came in or the Mexican. And yeah, Mexican, Mexican cry. cry. Mexican cry. And, yeah. um, and, and, and then a couple other things about when we got the tour with Sharon and Robert up on the mountaintop and going through all those places and, and, and seeing and learning about how the land transfers occur and people being buried in certain places you can't put a farm there or put a house there uranium uranium and i mean just a myriad of things i mean just i mean we think we got it bad in the in the cities i mean we when people talk about drive-by shootings and, and locking your doors and i mean because it's, it's i mean all of that and you start reflecting back because it gives you a bias for that time to start reflecting and and looking back and start and start appreciating things for what they are and then little pieces of history i mean just i mean things that we we weren't exposed to or for whatever reason uh uh so i mean what how has that impacted you not only this time but other times especially you albert mm -hmm. and then i get to byron because he's he's first hearing about it i wish i'd i wish it'd been the first time <laughs> doing something. You know, and i think also one of the other things you know and right we look at the events that has happened in the past but then we also look at the the problems of everyday living 
And like we say, when we talked to Robert and Sharon and, and when they took us up on the mountain to where they lived and the, the distance that they had to travel over unimproved roads just to get from their house into the main street. <laughs> And oftentimes they were stuck in the mud and the road was washed out. I mean, these, this is what you have to do just to get to work, <laughs> you know. And we have our issues back home, but anytime we have to, we have an opportunity to share what somebody else is experiencing, sometimes and make our experiences don't seem so bad. <laughs> For real. Yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. Yeah, and so for me, it just, it just comes to this whole idea that Christ came to set up a, a, another kingdom, a completely different kingdom that wasn't run like the kingdoms of this world. And so I've heard it referred to as, you know, the Pax Romana, um, which is the peace of Rome that the Caesars and, and all their military might and their um, political expertise said, we're going to bring peace to the land through, through violence, um, empire and control. And, and actually, he uh, used the term gospel for the good news. This is good news that Rome is bringing peace. So wherever you are, you can, you can sense that peace and you can be proud to be a Roman citizen and, and, and that, that the Caesar is, is the savior of the world. And then Paul and the other writers took that word, um, I guess maybe you could call it cultural appropriation, um, and said, no, this is the good news, that there's another kingdom that is coming and that is set up um, through love, forgiveness, um, and humility, and servant servanthood, agape love, seeking the highest good of another. And Jesus was the model of that. And he says, when you give your life away in this way, um, you you will have peace. You know, his peace is not of the world. And so he was setting up an entirely different um, kingdom. And, and so when we learn to live that way, we are actually playing out that grand narrative that the kingdom of Christ, the Pax Christi, is greater than the Pax Romana, um, the, 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 the peace that empires bring. Um, and, and we get to play a small part of that um, when we live it out in a place like this um, together. You know, what, let's jump on it, this whole uranium thing. I mean, that's a that's a whole new ball game. I mean, that's just. I know the first time when I came out here and I was told about it, I went to Doctor Google immediately. You know, and just and then start reading everything I could. I mean, it was like three pages of of, of articles and information and about what had happened with the people and how it happened, when it started and, and the, and the effects, uh, and the long-term effects and the continuing effects to this day. because uh, as I was told yesterday that there are older women who are now suffering and really paying for it in terms of, I mean, they have the highest rate of dialysis, you know, the husbands and they brought it home and it's, it's taking effect. The husbands have been long gone, died at tender young ages and uh, trying to support their families uh, in, in a way. And we're never told, you know, the effects of what could happen. I mean, so you, you think about it. You think it, as you, as I was standing up on, we were in the, the uh, Chinle Valley, uh, the Valley of the Chinle or whatever yesterday and looking at those rock formations and those stratas and thinking about civilization and evolving and, and until where we are now. And, and then I start thinking about the whole, I don't know, it just keeps coming back, the whole uranium thing and that mining and what, and, and where is that in terms of that rock strata that we were looking at? Where is it? Are we on the top of it now and still dealing with to yet another strata a hundred years from now that somebody reflect upon and look at it. When you think about what happened, uh, I mean, what, what are you guys feeling? What you were told about it, and how it affected the people? It's just like everything else. Um, again, this this kingdom that Jesus um, is is bringing is in confrontation, is in conflict um, to the the kingdoms of the world that would say, you know, because of. Um, uh, well, well, this country wants to bring peace um, through the empire of the United States, and 
we create a program that creates weapons of mass destruction and the raw material of that is uranium and you're, you're you become more concerned with that um, than the safety of people who are producing the products to make those weapons and so you realize that you you get this 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 um this paradox of, 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 of life and, and you get, you're trying to bring peace through weapons of mass destruction. It creates a situation where people have been abused and oppressed and exploited. And so that gives you an opportunity to live out your faith as you start walking alongside of people who are dealing with that. So, so how to fix the problem of, uh, of a town of communities that don't have men over the age of 55 um, there because they're all dead. You got to figure those things out. You got to say, well, how do we bring um, elders from other places to come alongside and walk with you in love and, and, and to be that grandfatherly, uh, figure of wisdom and, and knowledge and understanding that comes through experience that gives you a chance to, to do that and and so much of what Jesus taught us um, what was saying this this is how you um, fulfill the words of Micah you know to, to act justly to, to love mercy to walk humbly with your God you, you come here and you see that an injustice has has taken place and and you learn to listen to the spirit and figure out how to do something in that particular situation that can um, help it. And it's not through power, force, and control. It's somehow through love, forgiveness, and you get um, a, a great example of that, and you start trying to figure out how to do that, how to live it out right here based upon the injustices that are that are still having deep impacts on people. It's not a theoretical um, exercise at that point in time. It is a practical um, way to live out the gospel with people and to point people to Christ um, through um, our actual lives. So how do you think they perceive this whole thing? I mean, because we, we often throw around the, the terminology biblical and social justice. I mean, how through their lens, but we can't see through their lens. I mean, based on what you just said, Byron, where do you, where do you, what do you think they see? How do they perceive this thing called justice? I think it's through the love that that, that you show them. The words and the concepts of justice don't mean anything until someone senses and feels that you love them. Um, agape love seeks highest good of another person, and if you come in and you walk and you love somebody. They know it. Um, they can't necessarily put words to it. They feel it and they sense it. And then uh, I think you have to feel it and sense it first, and then you put words to it. Um, then you can say what it is. Um, and then it's out of uh, mutual respect and trust and love um, that people's ears and eyes are open. What was the saying? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Um, I think that's what it has to be. And when we look at the life of Jesus, I think – that that's why he took 30 years before he ever started his ministry. He was fully engaging in the context of the world in which he was sent. He was he was one of the people. He wasn't just some mystic that flew in off the desert. This was Joseph's and Mary's boy. We've seen him grow up, you know. Nothing good can come out of Nazareth, but yet and still he came out of Nazareth. All those things um, we get to live out when, when we when we engage with people, and that's when those words of justice and 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 and, and oppression and exploitation uh, mean something um, that can be overcome or embraced, um, depending on what it is. So in the, in the few minutes that we got left, um, Alvin. Uh, when you plan this trip to come out here every year, what are your expectations? Or are, do you have expectations? Well, I think that's it. Back earlier when you had asked about the danger, you know, and basically I said I didn't see any danger, but I think Byron hit it right on the head mm -hmm. when he says that if you have expectations, <laughs> that's the danger. Right. If you come out here with preconceived ideas, mm -hmm. you know, then that could be a danger. But if you come with an open mind and an open heart, you know, then you can receive. And just to touch briefly on the uranium thing, you know, I think what we saw here was man exploitation of other men for personal gain. Uh -huh. And then if you 
go back into history all the way back through the fall, we see that that has happened. Even with empires, even with slavery, where a man will exploit other men for other for personal gain. And the reason, again, this goes back again to the Bible, when that we left God. God is the only source of good in the universe. So now man is choosing between himself to decide what's good and what's evil. So the God that establishes the empire to him, that's good. If I can go out and conquer all of these people and make them subject unto me, that's a good thing. But the people that's being conquered is not a good thing for them. You know? So good becomes relative when you're outside the realm of God. So this is why we got to come back into that kingdom that Brian was talking about, where God establishes the good, then we all can prosper. <laughs> Man, you know, it's just, it's just, it's good sitting here with these two brothers, you know, it's just, I mean, so much wisdom, so much insight, uh, and so much love. Um, uh, and, and, and at the same time, there's a release. And I think we all experience that release out here. Uh, you know, someone sent me a text message this morning and said, how are things going when you're coming back? <laughs> so I responded, it's going well, I don't know. <laughs> so, I mean, so, I mean, I mean, what is there? I mean, I don't, it took me these decades of life to get to the point that, that you know, I don't care. You know, I, you know, I'm feeling something and you experience something, uh, and then it's almost like a fear of going back to, oh, oh my gosh, I got to go back and put up with this stuff again <laughs> for another 11 months before I can get back out here and, and get into some frame of reference again. Uh, I mean, so how do you go take this and you go back and you, and you, and you continue in your community, but yet still maintain that, maintain that connection back here? Uh, with the people, uh, those relationships that have started, that have begun. Uh, and one of the interesting things off of that, while you were thinking on your answer is, uh, I saw something in the last few days that, that the people started looking at Byron. Okay, Charles is okay. Alvin is okay. So Byron must be okay. I'm okay, you're okay. Yeah, exactly. And so they started to warm up quicker than I've ever seen them warm up. And, 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 I, and I reflect back on the first time I came, cause I mean, first it was you, you and Eva, your wife is the first African-American. Then it was Charles, the second African-American. And they found out that we didn't eat them up <laughs> and spit them out. And so now the addition of Byron, Oh, it, it must be okay. And there's their cultural, understanding and shift that occurred. Uh, uh, and, one of, and we weren't here to take anything from them. And I think you kind of opened the door of that when you really uh, preach God's word and practice it with them without introducing a whole lot of other stuff with them. So I'll let you guys go from here. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just cool just to see the stereotypes um, broken down. You know, Richard, he just kind of lays it out there. He said, hey, I understand you people like fried chicken, right? Did y'all did y'all invent that? And so, um, you know, you can either get upset and offended with that or you can have a little fun with it. Um, but, yeah, just spending time talking, allowing people to ask questions. A lot of times questions that you might think um, are stupid. Um, um, but when you realize that people just don't know, um, it was interesting hearing Richard say when, he, he, had, uh, he was somewhere selling some of his um, crafts and an African-American person came up to him and said, hey, chief, chief, hey, chief, you know, it was just, <laughs> you know, because we have these stereotypes about natives and, yeah. you know, that, that could be taken the wrong way. But, but Richard just had this beautiful spirit about him, um, about that situation. And to be able to sit down and talk to um, people who he's learned to trust um, and ask questions to, to get stereotypes um, taken care of and to see that, you know, we're all just human um, trying to, to live the best we can and that we have different um, traditions and our culture has different um, things that we hold on to. And to be able to talk about that openly and honestly just um, um, makes it real. 
and it makes it unthreatening and it, it tears down stereotypes because a lot of what um, people have seen here on the reservation when it comes to African-Americans is, is just all negative. It's, it's what they see on the TV. And so much of that is, is, is bad and that, you know, black people just want to steal from you and hurt you and that they're, they're just all on drugs. Um, uh, and when you have three people from that community come and live with you um, and get to know you, it, it starts to break that down. And so, you know, people here have very um, keen perceptions of white people and, and Asians. Um, uh, all those things get to be broken down when you begin to spend time with one another. And that's, that's a great opportunity that you have um, here in this situation. You know, I like to uh, share on an experience. And the first time that I came out here, like I say, it was me and my wife, and there was about probably six or eight people from Cornerstone. And like I say, we had came to the airport and we rented a van, and we came down and we drove to the church. So when we got to the church, the church was locked, and. So, but we finally, you know, got to, well, actually, Anna that lives in the trail, she came over and she let us in. So <clears throat> the next day, um, Pastor Evelyn uh, told us that, I guess, as we were at the church, that somebody called her and say, there are some white people and some colored people up at the church. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, that, that, you know, anytime you go on a, a mission for God, you know, that you got to have thick skin, you know, that you put yourself in the lordship of Jesus Christ and says that whatever comes along, I deal with it, you know. And then later on in the week, that when I preached the first time at the tent revival, you know, one of the young ladies came up and told me, she says, you know, you remind me of Creflo Dollar. <laughs> but I am so glad that you took the time out to come out to my reservation and, and preach the gospel. And she was very thankful for that, you know. Yeah. So after the initial thing, then like you say, we was able to wear them over and say to God be the glory. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say last night? He said, I don't know exactly the context. They go back and forth between Navajo. speaking Navajo and English, but he said something about the three black men in here in our church worshiping together. It sounded like it was maybe a prophesy. Like somebody yeah, yeah, prophesied yeah, that. Yeah. And so when people see, uh, I guess, you know, years ago, someone had said something about black men coming um, to speak and in their culture and to know what the culture was like at that time, realizing that that wasn't something that anybody thought was likely to happen. Right. And then when it happens, it, it just gets pointed back to this is the power of God um, manifesting itself. So being a part of that is pretty cool. Yeah, and the good thing about y'all didn't sit in the back of the church either. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't get yourself in trouble. I, I, they, 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 all the churches here have uh, anointing oil at the front of the church. And oh, here they we had, go. They had, <laughs> they had it in, in what we would call a soap display. Spencer. And so when I saw them going up to the altar and they would, they, they squirt it on their hands and they kind of go over their head. <laughs> I don't know where this came from, but I thought it was just, uh, what was it? Dishwashing liquid. Not, not, not dishwashing liquid. I thought it was, uh, <laughs> so I said something about it. Everybody, everybody laughed at me. They said, that's oil. I said, oh, man, I felt stupid. But they all laughed. All right, well, this has been fun and informative, and a whole lot of good things. Well, at least Byron knows all of this. <laughs>
and we're promising it'll be just as humorous as the day with the um, hand sanitizer and the oil. <laughs> Have a blessed Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.